Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. It's time for Fibber McGee and Molly. Every weekday at this time, NBC brings you Fibber McGee and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and Ralph Goodman and directed by Max Hutto. We'll join Fibber and Molly in just a moment. If you're an average driver, you must have plenty of gripes about other drivers. One such gripe might be about drivers who insist on crossing intersections when they know they won't be able to get all the way across before the light changes. Because of jammed cars up ahead, these drivers are often left in the middle of the intersection blocking cross traffic. When you're driving, be sure you can get safely across an intersection before starting, whether you have the light in your favor or not. Don't be an irresponsible driver. Assume your obligation as a motorist to other motorists and help eliminate driving habits that lead to inconvenience and even tragedy. A careful driver will also make periodic checks of brakes, headlights, rear and stop lights, tires, wheel alignment, exhaust system and muffler, windshield wipers, all glass, the horn and the rear view mirror. That's quite a list. But ignoring any one of these safety features can mean a serious accident. When driving, be sure you can see... Steer and stop safely. In case you missed it yesterday, our Mr. McGee made a spectacular rescue of a beautiful girl from a burning house near Wistful Vista. It turned out, however, it was a motion picture they were making. And it looks like our hero really ruined it. Himself is in seclusion today and talking to nobody. So, let's look in on the movie director and his assistant trying to figure out a way to save their million dollars. For 30 years now, I have been directing great motion pictures, Cecil. And in all my experience, never has such a thing happened to the great Duval. No, sir. When I, the great Duval, when I think of what happened to my picture yesterday... Oh, horrible, sir. Six months of careful planning ruined. Ruined by a nincompoop who rushes into my beautiful scene five seconds ahead of our hero and carries Lana Latour out of our burning mansion while my cameras are shooting the picture. Oh, it was frightful, sir. Cecil, we have got to find that idiot. Oh, if only I hadn't threatened to kill him. If we'd only caught him before he ran. We'll find him, sir. I gave his description to the police, and they're most cooperative, sir. Said they'd call us as soon as they Oh, I hope when we do find him, he won't be unreasonable. Unreasonable, sir? Do you suppose he would accept $100 to straighten this out? We're way over our budget, of course. I beg your pardon, sir, but do you mean we're paying him? When he was the one who lost her... Don't you understand, Cecil? This this nincompoop is the center of attention in our big fire scene. He came out of that burning house carrying our heroine and looking right into the cameras. A hundred thousand dollars it would cost to rebuild Magnolia Manor and shoot the scene over again. Yes, sir, but I... Therefore, our only hope is to rewrite the script and put this nincompoop into the story as the hero's best friend. Ah, yes. Now listen closely, Cecil. Yes, sir. Intently, sir. Would it seem to you unreasonable for the best friend of Captain Greystock to rescue the Captain Southern Bride, Melanie, from the burning Magnolia Manor that was set afire by her black sheep brother who was working secretly with John Wilkes Booth when we showed that Captain Greystock was delayed by special orders from Abraham Lincoln? Mr. Duval, you're a genius. Naturally. Now get on that phone, Cecil, and check the police. We must find that man. 
I'll pay him a hundred, uh, five hundred, a thousand. We must save the picture at all costs. There's just no sense hiding in the house all day. You've got to go out sometime. And have some legal eagle slap me with a subpoena from that movie director that I lost up his picture? Yes, but it wasn't your fault, McGee. You heard a girl scream for help in a burning building, and... I'll get it. 79 Wistful Vista, Molly McGee speaking. Who? Oh, dear. What's the matter? It's him, McGee. That Mr. Duval, the director... He wants to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. Tell him I'm out. Tell him I'm in China. I You didn't tell him I'm here, did you? No, but I did say Molly McGee speaking, and... I'm not going to pay for his picture. It wasn't my fault. How'd I know it was a movie? Dearie, the man is waiting. What shall I tell him? Oh, gee, who's that? Well, there's no way he can slip me a subpoena over the phone, is there? Of course not. Give me it. This is McGee speaking, and you listen to me, Duvall. I don't know how you got my name and phone number, but you're wasting your time trying to threaten me. I know I ruined your picture, but it was accidental, and you got no legal concourse under the law. I heard a woman scream in a burning building, and any jury in town would give me a medal for what i done. Now, stop interrupting the ball and let me finish. I... Huh? Five hundred bucks. I told you it wasn't my fault. And no, we can't talk it over. I, what do you mean, a thousand? For what? I can't hear you. Got a bad connection. Hello? Hello? Now, look, Duvall. For the last time, I'm washing my hands of this whole mess. Goodbye. Good for you, dearie. Why, George, I know my rights. You and Wimper there, you're my witnesses, and they ain't going to intimidate me. You certainly told him. Imagine the crust of that guy. A thousand bucks, he said. For what? Let it ring, let it ring. I'm a citizen and a taxpayer. And if I mess up their movie and it ain't my fault, well, that's their problem. Back to Westville Vista in a minute. Here is a scene that could happen in your doctor's office. A doctor speaks to Mrs. Martin. You're in perfect health, but there's no need for you to take laxatives three and four times a week. No need, doctor? None. Five New York doctors now have proved you can break the laxative habit and regain that wonderful feeling that goes with natural regularity. Eighty-three percent of the cases tested did it. So can you. I'd love to, doctor, but how? Stop taking whatever you take now. Instead, every night for one week, take two Carter's Little Liver Pills. Second week, one each night. Third week, one every other night. Then, nothing. Every day, drink plenty of liquids. Put yourself on schedule. But how can Carter's help break the laxative habit, doctor? Because Carter's Little Liver Pills not only relieve irregularity, they also improve the flow of liver bile that is needed for natural regularity. When worry, overeating, overwork make you irregular temporarily, take Carter's temporarily and don't get the laxative habit. Get Carter's Little Liver Pills, only 43 cents. Break your laxative habit. Restore your natural powers of regularity. This is the house, Mr. Duval. 79 Wistful Vista. Good. Now remember the plan, Cecil. Let me do the talking and you follow my lead. Is my beret on straight? Uh, yes, sir. Now, there must be no slip-ups. This nincompoop must sign his contract and appear in that scene Friday. Every day of delay is costing the studio thousands. I'll ring the bell, sir. I hope this works, sir. Oh, it always works, Cecil. This is the same method I used to get Gloria Johnson to star in my last picture. I had her absolutely in the... Yes? Uh, Mrs. McGee? Why, yes, I'm... Good. Uh, we wish to speak with you. Who's at the door, kiddo? Whatever they're selling, we don't need any. Ah, the nincompoop. Good. Proceed, Cecil. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. McGee, allow me to present the world's greatest motion picture director, creator of such epic productions as The Return of the Romans 
Elephant Valley, and that never-to-be-forgotten drama of a woman's sacrifice for her only child, Dial M for Mother, the great Duval. Oh, for the love of... It's you. Now, look, Duval, you're wasting your time. But, Mr. McGee... I told you over the phone, and I'm telling you again, you can't do business with me. I'm sorry, but that's final. Now, hit the road. Oh, say that again. Huh? Cecil, did you hear that? That voice. Oh, yes, sir. Fabulous, sir. How's that? What are you two guys talking about? Would you mind repeating those words again? Hit the road? Yes, but not like that, the way you said it before. Before? With authority. Oh, oh, you mean hit the road. Cecil, this is fantastic. Oh, unbelievable, sir. Would you two gentlemen mind... Yeah, what's this all about? All I said was hit the road. I didn't say... It wasn't what you said, Mr. McGee. It is the way you said it. The clear timbre of your voice ringing out, shattering the stillness of the night air like cannon fire echoing in the hills. Oh, he's got a fine, loud voice, all right. The neighbors say... A loud voice? Oh, many people have loud voices. I'm not referring to how loud it is. It's that other quality. Oh, this is an amazing phenomenon. It is? Mr. McGee, of all the great performers of the theatrical world, whom is your all-time favorite? Well, I guess you might say Barrymore is my favorite. Exactly. Mr. McGee, this may come as a surprise to you, but your voice has the same moving quality and pathos, the same timbre as your great favorite. He does? Well, heavens, I never noticed that. Oh, there's no mistake about it. I was just as amazed as Mr. Duval. Oh, I sound like John Barrymore, huh? How about that, Molly? Imagine that. It's hard to imagine. Oh, John Barrymore. Boy, that's... Oh, this is indeed an exciting discovery, eh, Cecil? Fabulous, sir. Stupendous. Great. Uh, Mr. McGee? Yes? I wonder if you would do us the great honor of appearing as an actor in this picture we are shooting, The Last of Magnolia Manor. We'll write a special part just for you. A man of your talent would be a great asset. For heaven's sake. Yeah? Well, now, I might do that, my good man. does seem rather a shame to waste all this good timber. What do you think, my dear? Oh, I think it would be so exciting, McGee. Oh, Mabel Toops will blow her top. Good, good. I told you, Cecil, it always works. You're a genius, sir. <clears throat> now, about your salary, Mr. McGee. Ah, yes, the filthy lucre. Uh, we usually pay our beginning actors $16 a day. But in your case, I am going to make it $25. Uh, here's the contract, sir. That sounds fair enough. What? 25 bucks? Are you actually foolish enough to think that a talented star with a voice full of splinters, uh, timber, would work for a miserable $25 a day? Yeah, but McGee... Why, that measly offer is an insult to the great name of Barrymore, which I have the great honor of sounding just like him. John, that is, not Ethel. Well, I, uh, well, we could pay you $50 a I day. I can't hear you. Uh, $60 a day. Oh, dear. Keep talking. I hate to say this, Mr. Duval, but I'm afraid you've created a Frankenstein. Now, look, Mickey, you have had no experience. You haven't any background. Just talent, that's all. Seventy dollars a day. Now, don't be unreasonable. After all, uh, wait, where are you going? Molly, my dear, when the gentleman gets up to the important money, call me. I shall take a nap and rest the weary timber in my voice. Ah, the life of an artist is a weary, care-torn life. Deborah and Molly will be right back. There's adventure in your Thursday evening lineup tomorrow. Adventure from the Old West, adventure from the New West, and adventure from across the seas. From the Old West comes Dr. Sixgun riding on another errand of mercy. Dr. Sixgun is a different kind of Western hero. 
A man who carries a medicine kit and a forty-five and knows how to use both on the side of law and order. From the New West, it's Roy Rogers who spins another tale of the modern-day prairie where the jeep is as familiar as the horse. And from across the seas, from a bygone day, comes the Scarlet Pimpernel in a story of danger and intrigue. Based on the novel that captured the imaginations of millions of people all over the world, the Scarlet Pimpernel is the kind of action listening that makes both young and old alike sit up on the edge of their chairs. It's a Thursday evening lineup of adventure listening at its best with the Roy Rogers Show, Dr. Six-Gun, and the Scarlet Pimpernel. And don't forget there's music. Tomorrow, Senor Ben, 30 minutes of Latin American rhythm. All right, Mickey, just sign the contract here. It's late. I must get to bed. Okay, Duval. You drive a hard bargain. But an artist cares but little for money. Only for art. <sighs> Heavenly days. A thousand dollars a day. Eight hour day. That's over a hundred dollars an hour, McGee. Well, they don't find Barrymore's in the brush, kiddo. We're worth my weight in gold. When shall I report for work, gentlemen? I will have your script delivered tomorrow. You rehearse at home and we will shoot the scene Friday morning. Come, Cecil, I must get home to my pills. What a day! Yes, Mr. Duval. Good night, gentlemen. Well, they're gone. We better get to bed, too. Oh, this has been a day. Ah, yes, to bed. Good night, my love. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Good night, John. Good night, all. Fibber McGee and Molly is an NBC Radio Network production with Bill Thompson as Cecil and Joe Kearns as Duval. This is John Wald reminding you to be with us again tomorrow night when Mr. McGee begins rehearsing for his featured role in the motion picture production of The Last of Magnolia Manor. Join us then. Heart of the News brings you the issue of the day tonight on the NBC Radio Network.